for the week of April 11th, 2022. This is Obi-Wan TV Talk from Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into the highly anticipated Disney Plus series. With the release of Obi-Wan Kenobi still over a month away, we decided we would continue our Obi-Wan essentials for fans to revisit in preparations for the release of the series. And in this episode, we are discussing Star Wars Episode 2, The Attack of the Clones. Now Dave, what were your initial thoughts of this film? Compared to episode one, I enjoyed it much, much more. It was not as slow to start, but then again, episode one was the essential origin story, letting you know how everybody came to meet and, and all that good stuff. So you didn't have to sit through all that boring stuff this time. So we got able to get right into a good flowing story, something that shows us how Obi-Wan has developed a bit from episode one. Right, so let's just go ahead and dive right into this version of Obi-Wan, who of course is now the Jedi Master to the young Anakin Skywalker. Um, and we have, of course, this film starting 10 years after the death of his master. We find Obi-Wan bringing Anakin back to Padme, which is quite frankly where all things go wrong. Yeah, and, and Obi-Wan seems to have a good idea about this at this point in time. Because he, he's trying to keep Anakin in the moment. You know, not worrying about what Padme's up to. We're here to protect her, that's it. That's what he's that's what he's getting at. Trying to keep him on task. Yeah, and Anakin is sending so many cues to Obi-Wan that he's, you know, kind of experiencing this typical like young love. He's at least ex he's at least portraying, uh, you know, sensitive emotions, which are, of course, the Jedi and not the Jedi way. Um, and Obi-Wan kind of does the exact opposite of what I feel like Qui-Gon would have done in this situation. Obi-Wan is like very much like you have to suppress this, like stop worrying about how you feel, you know the rules, you can't get in your head. And we can tell that these two already have history with Anakin's emotions, and Obi-Wan's just like, hey, remember your training. Like, stop it, Like, it, stop trying to, you know, do this. Like, just stick to the Jedi path when it seems that, you know, Qui-Gon would have been a little bit more gentle about it. Yeah, Qui-Gon probably would have said, you're, you're absolutely right. You should, you know, you should be aware of how you're feeling towards Padme. However, your feelings for her, while they can guide you, may not lead you the right way. You have to, you have to be able to come back and get on the right path with that. Right. And Obi-Wan is very much dedicated to the Jedi theology here, and um, mostly he's dedicated to winning this war. Like, he wants to find a quick solution to um, end this war, which, you know, due to his dedication, um, you know, this is, again, why he keeps telling Anakin to keep suppressing these feelings. Like, you know, stop... Uh, stop trying to experience this, basically, is what he's ba trying to get at. Like, you know, keep uh, try to 
ignore it through the force, I guess. But it's just really interesting that he um, does this. And Anakin is also portraying his skill that he is in touch with the force like other Jedi aren't. Like he has some sort of greater sense of future events. Like he can sense things at... Uh, you know, at a stronger sense than than some of these other Jedi. And he multiple times tries to confide in Obi-Wan in this like short little like 10 second like elevator scene that they're in where he's like kind of sending cues like he has some sort of sense in what is about to come. And then, of course, you see that um, when he sets the trap with R2. Like he's like, yeah, there's going to be another assassination attempt. I can feel it. I can feel it's coming. Um, and instead of like Obi-Wan, like trying to figure out what's going on with Anakin, he's like fearful that Anakin is feeling these things. Yeah. It's almost like he, I don't know how to put it really. He did. He, he didn't believe it, I guess is the best way to put it. He was just thinking, okay, yeah, I get it. You're, you're a young hormonal teenager. Cause at that point in time, that's exactly what Anakin was a young hormonal teenager. And you're just reading into this. You're letting your feelings guide you too much, which was the whole point of the of Obi-Wan's side of the conversation. Whereas if maybe he would have, like you said, stopped and thought, and maybe, hey, maybe, sure, he's a hormonal teenager, but maybe there's something more here right. that Anakin doesn't quite get, and maybe we need to look into that and see what's going on there. And that was just kind of the overall character of Qui-Gon that we get from episode one. He was very much intrigued by the Force. Like, he was intrigued by what the Force was doing, which kind of led him to, you know, clashing heads with the Council. Because a lot of his things were, like, intrigued in certain emotions. And is like, maybe we shouldn't just ignore all these things. Maybe we shouldn't just uh, oppress, suppress all these things. But maybe we should, you know, allow the human side of us to come out a little bit. Um and so I think that this is where Obi-Wan would have been a more effective master, would have succeeded where, uh, I mean, this is where Qui-Gon would have succeeded where Obi-Wan failed, where it, just being intrigued by the comments of Anakin, like, okay, let's digest this a little bit. Almost like, you know, someone that you could reliably confide in that is genuinely interested in what you're experiencing. Definitely, because Qui-Gon shows this throughout, episode one when he's dealing with obi-wan as his padawan learner he's he, he doesn't just dismiss obi-wan outright when he says i got a bad feeling about this he goes yeah but we're here to uh you know negotiate this blockade so just bring yourself back into the moment and and you'll be fine don't worry about it and this is where like you said this is where obi-wan fails with anakin yep and i think that Obi-Wan was very similar to Anakin in the sense that he sensed this grander plot. And you're absolutely right. Like, Qui-Gon didn't necessarily ignore it. Qui-Gon acknowledged it. He's like, yes, I know. Like, I can feel this too. Of course, there's a grander plot scheme here. But if we can just get this one deal done, you know, we can move on to the next thing. So he was kind of of the sense, like, you know, acknowledge that feeling, like, be aware of that grander plot but at the same time, be present. And I think that Obi-Wan kind of takes the more present present route in terms of being dedicated to ending the war when, like, he ignores the grander plot. 
like as soon as he discovers this clone army and what's going on and the mystery behind you know Sifo-Dyas being uh like going behind the council's back to do something like he sensed something was off there and then when he discovered the true uh, uh basically alliance of Jango Fett like that should have sense like oh he has direct connections to the Sith maybe we should be a little bit more skeptical of this clone army so it's like we see Obi-Wan doing the exact opposite of what he was doing at the beginning of episode one. He's ignoring now this, this sense of a grander plot. Yeah. And very much to his and the Jedi's downfall, as we know, because we've all seen at this point, the whole story. And if you haven't, you have either too young or you're living under a rock because these movies have been around forever. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so interesting going back and rewatching it kind of after digesting my thoughts with episode one and seeing it here because it, it I know Obi-Wan gets a lot of criticism with some of the fans. Like there, there's a very vocal group of fans that hate this portrayal of yep. Obi-Wan in episode two, but I actually see it as like, well, no, this is exactly what would have happened if he saw his master killed by the grander plot that he sensed at the beginning, like now he's dedicated to ending this war because he sees how powerful the Sith are. He sees that the separatists aren't this just like, they're not just leading a blockade, but they're connected with the Sith that hasn't been exposed in over a thousand years. And so he, um, you know, that kind of leads him to this like, uh, Uber dedication to let's end this and let's uproot it. And basically, you know, by not necessarily any means, but in a way, any means to the point where he's just like, yeah, I recommend us using this, this clone army. Like they're, they're pretty good. Like it seems to me it's pretty legit. But then when he sees Django Fett, like that should have been, Hey, let's call the council and be like, Hey, let's look a little deeper into these clones because their own biological makeup had direct connections to a Sith Lord. Not to mention direct connections to an assassination attempt because the armor was right there and Obi-Wan could plainly see it. And he knew that was the person who took out the assassin that took out, was attempting to take out Padme. So he even ignored that and it was right there for everybody to see. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and so that to me is like the tragic piece, but it's this character development that I feel like a lot of fans don't like because it doesn't do what they would have expected this character to be. And of course we see this with Luke and um, in the last Jedi where a lot of fans did not appreciate that portrayal of Luke, but it's like they're human still, mm-hmm. like even though they're in this, you know, greater galaxy, they're still human and humans are very complex and sometimes grief changes you um it changes your worldview and i think that's exactly what happened here with obi-wan and we see that again reflected in his relationship with anakin where he is like it's not even a conversation for him he is demanding anakin's obedience to the council yeah and that's not really the tact that would have worked with anakin and this is where qui-gon again would have been the better jedi master for anakin skywalker he wouldn't have said, you know what, council's right, you're wrong, be quiet about it, you, you don't. it's not your time to talk. He would have taken all that into consideration. I mean, we saw him in, in episode one, um, um, 
there's a word I'm looking for, and it's just not coming to me. But we saw him advocate advocate for Anakin to be a Jedi Padawan, even though, you know, he was a little bit older than they would have probably liked because just because of where he was on the Outer Rim. But Qui-Gon, if he would have just listened to the council, would have said, yeah, okay, fine. Sorry, Anakin, uh, you've got to go back to Tatooine or find somewhere to live here. Yep. Well, and at first the council tells Qui-Gon no. Like, the, their official decision yeah. is he's too old. You're not training him. And what does Qui-Gon do? He kind of, like, sits there. He's not necessarily obedient, but he's respecting the chair. Like, he's respecting Yoda. He's respecting the chair that he's sitting in. And he's just like, okay. And then he goes back out into the hall and greets Anakin and is basically like, hey, bro, I'm still going to train you. So, uh, yeah. And so, like, that's kind of where you see Qui-Gon and Ahsoka being very similar. Like, I feel like that is Qui-Gon being, like, willing, like, if they don't allow me to train you under the guise of the Jedi Temple, I'll probably just do it behind the scenes on my own, which probably still would have led to a better result than what we got. But of course, this is, you know, this is a the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. Like this saga mm-hmm. should be should be labeled, you know, the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. No, absolutely. Also in part the tragedy of Obi-Wan, because he did train from that point with the council's blessings, Anakin up to the Jedi he became. And while he was a Jedi, he was a great Jedi, but there was still that core fundamental emotional state that Obi-Wan never, even after they were both on equal footing as Jedi Knights, did he ever address with Anakin that your emotions have gotten the better of you. Aside from, you know, the the superficial stuff that we've seen throughout all the movies, um, the last season of Clone Wars poked at it a little bit too with Obi-Wan obviously knowing that what uh, Anakin was doing uh, in the barracks with Rex standing guard talking to Padme because he's just gonna I hope you told Padme I said hi he knew it and that was his tragedy his failure on that part not addressing it ever yeah well and we see that uh you know somewhere in between episode two and three Obi-Wan does have some sort of change of heart and we see the character Mm -hmm. development of course in the Clone Wars and I'm sure we'll dive into a couple of those episodes where we start seeing that that characteristic change which, you know, it's just too late at this point. So much has happened in episode two to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, Anakin is rageful when he is on Tatooine, where he's basically accusing Obi-Wan of holding him back and he uses a line like he's jealous. Like, that's how Anakin is interpreting his master is that he's jealous with how powerful I am and mm-hmm. he can't handle that I am learning at a faster rate than any other Jedi in history, quite frankly, and it, he just doesn't know how to take that. And, you know, that's kind of sad because Obi-Wan should have seen all of these red flags. He should have seen um, all of this, and instead of demanding Anakin to change, he he could have comforted him more, which we see that comfort come in later, but again, it's a little too late. And I know that we're like kind of poo-pooing on the character of Obi-Wan, but like you said, this is the tragedy of Obi-Wan. Everything he's doing, it has, you know, it he's a result of his of his nurturing, so to speak, mm-hmm. because episode one, that's a very tragic thing that occurred um between uh, between him and his master, obviously. Well, for sure. And it's not like Obi-Wan didn't do his good things. Like we are really focusing on the negative here, but it's the negative that drove everything that happened once Anakin became Darth Vader. 
with without the the negative impact of Obi-Wan's decisions here, there would have been no Darth Vader. There would have been no episodes four, five, and six, and then the story would be totally different. Like you have have to acknowledge the fact that it was the mistakes that Obi-Wan made that created Darth Vader, not the things he did right. Correct. And it's, you know, the mistakes on everyone's part. I feel, um, you know, I feel like that there's this mistake that the council makes. The council kind of views Anakin as being like uh, this embodiment of the prophecy. And I feel like at times that's the only way that they view him. And, you know, they kind of admit it. Like the only reason you're sitting on this council is because you're the chosen one, bro. Like that's it. Um, and, you know, and Mace Windu, of course, is very harsh with Anakin in episode three. And so really it's just kind of the approach to all of this. And of course, Anakin is, um, is extremely powerful because he is the chosen one. But we have like, due to all of these fractured relationships, Anakin doesn't ask for help. And instead he goes behind their backs. He goes to Tatooine to, to save his mother because, you know, he's been trying to talk about the dreams and they keep ignoring him. And we see that, that when, uh, when Yoda hears about his dreams, Yoda is kind of, you know, jerky about it as well. In episode three, when Yoda, like, uh, when he's talking to him about the dreams he's seeing and Yoda's just like, Hey, remember fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate and hate leads to the dark side. And that's like kind of all that he gives to Anakin. Who's like grieving, because he's so terrified of these dreams. And so it's just interesting. And then this, of course, is potentially um, the most crucial point in Anakin's life is this incident with the Sand People, right? And so I'm willing to say that Qui-Gon may have tried to direct Anakin from going. He would have tried to convince him, like, hey, don't go to Tatooine. But I'm also convinced that he would have realized how stubborn Anakin was and would have gone with him. And, yeah, he wouldn't have been left on his own for sure. Right. And, you know, and he he doesn't have that person to go to. So he doesn't even ask Obi-Wan. He just kind of he just kind of leaves because Obi-Wan would basically say, hey, remember, it's not the Jedi way. Right. And I don't care who you are, Jedi or not. If you're a young, young teenager, fearful for your mother's life, I don't care who you are. You're going to go check whether it's the right idea or not. You're, you're going to go find out because it's your mom. It, you don't you don't care. Last time you saw her, you were in this, in this situation. You're a little kid, like no older than I think my oldest son, about eight or nine. If, if, uh, if, if it was my son, Will, he would do exactly that he, as a teenager. Oh, my God, I had this dream about my mom. I'm going to go find out she's all right. Mm-hmm. Right. And this kind of like leads Anakin to not being able to confide in anyone. Um, and he, except for, of course, he admits immediately to Padme, who he's already in love with at this point. And then later on, the only other person that he can really confide in is, of course, Palpatine. Um, and this is like, in my opinion, this moment where Anakin kills the Sand People um, and then doesn't have anyone to go to because of his fractured relationships is the most, uh, is where that duel of the fates was most crucial. Like this was the moment that um, all things 
the entire table flipped over and Anakin's fate I, at this point, I believe, was, you know, decided. Like this was what put him on the path to becoming Darth Vader because, of course, he confides in Padme and Padme doesn't really know what to do with that information. So then who else does he go to but Palpatine? And then Palpatine kind of like uses that as like this, not necessarily like a bait and switch for Anakin, but uses it as like, hey, remember, like you told me all this stuff about the sand people. Like, you know, sometimes like you do have to kill people. Like sometimes anger is good. Like you got to use it. And this becomes Anakin's safety net. Yeah. Whereas if he would have been able to go to Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan, even Obi-Wan, he could have just said, Obi-Wan could say, okay, yeah, sure. You know what? This was probably the worst thing you've ever done at the time. And But I could understand why you did it. You were going to save your mom. It makes sense. But now we need to put this behind us. Learn from it. Grow from it. Take the steps necessary to make sure it doesn't happen again. Or if you have to be in a situation where anger is a thing where you can use it, but not overuse it. You don't want to go slaughtering everybody who ticks you off. Right. And we we also see this with Qui-Gon where he is reaching out to Anakin. Like we heard, like I know it, uh, you know, it's been confirmed since then, but when you first, the first time you watch episode two and Anakin's kind of slicing through these sand people, you hear screams of people that is, it's coming from Anakin's head, or at least we think it is. And mm-hmm. it is totally the voice of Qui-Gon pleading with Anakin to stop. Like he is um, even like in that state where he's not quite as, um, you know, as uh, he hasn't figured out how to become one with the force to the point that Obi-Wan is in, uh, in episode seven. But it's definitely, I mean, uh, in episode five, but it's definitely something where he's building up to that point. He's becoming the first Jedi to really become one with the force in this way where he can reach out, um, you know, audibly. And then even, you know, in some uh, physical form that we refer to as these force ghosts, but, Mm -hmm. you know, Qui-Gon's there and he's like, you got, like, you have to stop. And I just, I have to believe that it would have been different because this is the moment, the most crucial moment and Anakin's life, because when you experience any tragedy like that, so number one, he can't admit to Obi-Wan that he left and found his mother and then slaughtered the people that killed her. So he's in that problem in itself. So he already feels like he can't confide in Obi-Wan there, and that leads him just to one person um, that, again, manipulates him and by episode three, we see how that turns out. Yeah. And I don't know how much different the being able to go to Obi-Wan would have made things. It might have made no difference when you think about it. You, you might have been able to go to Obi-Wan and say, hey, this is what happened. And Obi-Wan say, okay, we got to work on this. And like I said a few minutes ago. But in the end, it may still play out the same way. Like this isn't. To, to turn it around a little bit, this isn't, isn't just the culmination of the mistakes. Like Obi-Wan, in this situation, if we change how the story went and say Obi-Wan did everything the way we've said he should have done it, he's acknowledged all the feelings, he's tried to help Anakin through it, he may have still got to Palpatine and still got manipulated the same way because I don't think that part of the story would have changed all that much if Obi-Wan would have done it right because no matter 
what what you think, um, the way the the way the story flows, Anakin's always going to be in Palpatine's radar. Palpatine's known him since he was a kid, watching the career. He said as much at the end of Episode One, and you know he's watched him and been a been a mentor to him all the way through Episode Two, and Padme will confirm it in Episode Three that he's been a mentor, like. Yeah, and Obi Wan could have done everything right. Yeah, and even if he would have done everything right, there's still a chance that the council would have pushed Anakin to spy on Palpatine anyway. So yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other reason for kind of uh, you know this format of me watching it through this lens is I think these are going to be thoughts that Obi Wan is going to be dealing with. I think he is going to be having the conversation we're having, but with himself, and then most likely with Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn, yeah. where he's going back and he's revisiting the, uh, these things like that he should have seen. Obviously, if you've seen anything of the trailers, you know that Obi-Wan uh, feels like he failed Anakin, and he is in a time of grief. He's not like trying to save the galaxy. He's acknowledging that they lost. I mean, and based on the trailer, it's just kind of like he's just like, trying to just live out the rest of his days protecting a, a young Luke Skywalker. Yeah, based totally on the trailer and nothing but, you're absolutely right. It just it looks like Obi-Wan just has resigned himself to his fate at this point, and he's going to protect his best friend's son to the best of his ability and see what happens down the road. Maybe try to make up for the mistakes of the past. I think that's a good part of the motivation in the Obi-Wan character, no matter which version you're looking at. Whether it be the what we see in the uh, Ewan McGregor portrayal that's coming up in a month or two, and or the or the Alec, Alec Guinness portrayal, it's Obi Wan trying to make right what went wrong in the prequel uh, trilogy. And we're going to see, I think, a character shift in Obi Wan where we see him encounter something from his past. Maybe it's Ghost Qui Gon that gets him back on the path, but this also kind of feels like he is he's getting back on track of being, you know, a, a part of the rebellion. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that we will see that like transition from this, like heartbroken Obi-Wan into the Ben Kenobi that we know of in, uh, you know, episode four by the time the series um, ends. But other than that, Dave, what are your closing thoughts on star Wars episode two? Overall, Star Wars Episode Two. It's a it's a great film. If you haven't seen seen it, go watch it. I mean, but really, if you're listening to us, you've seen it. You know it's a great film. Just go watch it again. Watch it again before the before the Obi Wan starts. Everything that we talk about, Episode One, Episode Two, uh, we'll probably dive Episode Three soon, and some Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars stuff where we get some critical Obi Wan information. And go watch it all. Like. We got time before the before the show hits the, to get all the research done and do the rewatches and get prepared. Absolutely. And you can keep up with the show on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at StarWarsTVTalk.com. You can find the rest of our shows online at StarWarsTVTalk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to subscribe and review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at tvtalk.fm. Thanks so much for listening, and may the Force be with you, always.